Hello, thank you for joining us on another episode of Why Theory. As always, I am Ryan Engley, joined, as always, by Todd McGowan. Todd, how are you, buddy? Hi, Ryan. I'm very good. Thanks. Yeah, excellent. We, and we're very excited because today we're talking about us. The, me and you, right? You and I, we're going to have it Just out. Just us. Just yes. us, the two of us. Uh, no, we're going to talk about Jordan Peele's Us um, and a little bit about uh, Jordan Peele's Get Out. So, um... This is a couple things to state at the top. Um, I mean, we both love the film, so that's there's your review. This is not like a review. So if you want a criticism, you should probably stop <laughs> right now. Uh, what this will be is a uh, this will be a critical analysis, however, of the film because uh, you were inspired enough to see it three times, right? Am I, am I right about that? Right, and I, I actually just finished my essay this morning. That's so fantastic. Uh, I'm so excited about that. Um so we're really excited to get into this. Uh, this is going to be total, uh, just a couple of things at the top, total spoiler cast, like we're going to talk about. Uh, the, the Us is premised on um, uh, a pretty important uh, narrative and, and, I don't know, character reveal, I suppose. And uh, even that, I suppose, is a little bit of a spoiler, but we're going to get into that. Right. Like, There's no way to talk about the film without it. So if you have not seen the film... Stop uh, listening. You guys stop or, listening. or listen and know that it's going to be spoiled for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Which, as we were talking about before, there's like the thing about spoilers, and this is what what I've read, is that um, you know, people will say this online. They'll be like, actually, science says that uh, people don't mind being spoiled. And it's like there was the I – don't, I don't know who did this study, but it was the thing that said that like it, it didn't really affect – the people who responded to the study didn't really affect their like enjoyment of the thing. But what you – don't have anymore is the the first experience of being right. surprised. So right. you will lose surprise. If that's important to you, don't listen. If it's not, please. I like surprise myself. So I don't, I hate spoilers when yeah. I haven't seen a film. So I would not be listening. Yeah. I, was, I hate yeah. when people do what I did, which is said like, okay, look, the thing is though, is there's a twist. I'm not gonna tell you what it is. It's like, all right, <laughs> right well, thanks. Right, right. Cause now, right, cause right. you're not watching the film. Like we talked about this in the previous episode. Cause you always want to be like, just in the world of the film and not like, right. I don't know, not watching it the way Bertolt Breck wants you to watch his plays where it's, you know, like you're doing like, you're already doing the, like the, the, the film analysis of it, like as you're watching it, like that's kind of right. too, right. It's, it's right. Kind of too his, his plays interestingly are better than his theory. That's I really think. funny. That's I think it's a line. bad theory, but I think his plays, some of them are really good. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Anyway. I, what's the, I think, Oh my God. I, I did one in like a, a class on um, uh, in community college. Todd. Oh wow! We, we read one wow. on. Is there one on Plato or, or on in, Galileo? Galileo. Thanks so much. Galileo. That's the one. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I thought so much of it that I remembered the title. All right. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> um, okay. So uh, let's a uh, general uh, overview of the um, of the plot. And I will say this too: if you want to, um, I host. I haven't mentioned this on here because it, it hasn't been relevant, but I also host a horror movie podcast, and I am going to talk about this on there. Um, you can find this if you're interested. Um, uh, I will be cha- I'll be changing this to make it easier to find at some point, but it's right now it's under the heading of Synecdoche Media, so S Y N E C D O C H E. Just to put that out there, Synecdoche Media, and uh, I do podcast with my friend Taylor um, on uh, horror films uh, in general and uh, The Shining specifically. We cover or the plan is to cover every five minutes of it. We've only done the first ten. Um, but uh, 
Yeah, slowly no, but surely. Slowly yeah. but surely, we'll get there. And the yeah. but the other ones cover um, sort of horror subgenres. And uh, us is interestingly kind of kind of does two. Um, this is the thing I'm going to talk about with Taylor, but it's certainly Home Invasion. Home uh, Invasion for sure. And then I think Slasher afterwards. Oh, I was thought you were going to say a zombie film. Oh, it's a little. That's interesting. Uh, yeah. yeah, there's a little bit. But of, maybe not. Maybe not. I mean. Uh, no, that's a. Fa- I mean, I'm gonna like. I, I. It's a conversation I'm really excited to get into with Taylor because, like, there is a way of thinking about the untethered as creatures, right? Like a creature right. film, like a monster movie. Um, right. but it, so that that sort of thing is a conversation for another time. So if you want to hear me talk about that and how much I hate the internet fan theory culture, that'll be another podcast. Um, this is going to be um more a specifically like more of like a political analysis of the film because i think you and i are both uh, aligned on this that we think that the political point that us makes is better than get out even much better yeah much i don't even think it's close frankly that's man that's yeah. that's a big claim so the setup is yeah. uh, the i'm going to give the setup of most of the film and then i think it's important to talk about the first 5 minutes but it's a sure. fam- family goes to uh the beach was it santa cruz Santa Cruz um, for a California California for a vacation. Right. And uh, I, I just like um, just like Hitchcock's rope, I'm going to get straight to the point and say that they are um, they're at home uh, one night and they are invaded by a family that looks exactly like them, except they are in red jumpsuits and they don't seem to be able to speak. Only one of them is able to speak. This is very important. But everyone else is sort of grunting. It's a little more animalistic. So this right. is the this is your basic setup of the film, uh, and now let's talk about the first five minutes, Todd. Sure. So in the first five minutes, there's a shot of the boardwalk at Santa Cruz mm-hmm. back in the 1980s, and mm-hmm. a young girl is walking with her parents. And what's interesting about this shot is you're totally in the girl's perspective, so you rarely mm-hmm. even mm-hmm. see the faces of the parents, mm-hmm. and the father uh, wins her a thriller t-shirt yeah. at a at a knock the milk bottle over game and then he goes to whack the mole whack a mole yeah 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 and she sort of doesn't have any real interest in that and and the mother goes to the bathroom she's like watch our daughter he doesn't <laughs> the daughter walks off onto the beach and you think that's probably not great because yeah. she walks by some shady shady characters especially yeah. one guy holding a sign that says Jeremiah 1111 which right. portends the end of days mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um and he he looks like he's not he not looks well. like he's kind of dangerous yeah. or not well mm-hmm. maybe yeah whatever yeah and um and she walks onto the beach there's some people playing football at night I think mm-hmm. and then uh she sees this this house of mirrors called shaman's shaman's vision quest and it yeah. says underneath the door or over the top of the door it says find yourself a narrow pointing down and she mm-hmm. has a candy apple she drops the candy apple she walks into the vision quest she uh gets a little scared she goes into the hall of mirrors because she thinks there's an exit it's very lady gets, from shanghai in there very like, lady from total, shanghai. Re- total visual yes. reference from peel like totally yes yeah. Actually, exactly. Yeah. And then she starts to whistle the song Itsy Bitsy Spider. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And as she whistles it, she hears somebody else whistling the same song. She goes through and she she gets out of the mirrors and she gets to a, something like a doorway. And there's a she sees the back of a 
girl who mm. looks just exactly like her. Yeah. Hair is everything's the same. And then she touches, the, she runs into the girl, and then uh, it seems like the girl starts to turn around, and then we cut to her face, and she her mouth goes agape, her eyes are wide, and then it's a cut. Mm-hmm. So then that's it. So that's the yeah. opening scene. Yeah. And then it cuts to this amazing credit sequence where it starts with a little white rabbit, mm-hmm. not a little white rabbit, but a, a, a close-up, on an extreme close-up on a white rabbit, and then it slowly pulls back as the whole credit sequence goes. Yeah. And you get, all of a sudden you realize it's not just a cute little rabbit. Instead, <laughs> it's this entire wall of rabbits and cages. Yeah. And you're like, okay, so we go from, there's just this cute little individual rabbit, could be a pet or could be sure. Peter Rabbit. I don't yeah. know what he is. It's Easter, uh, right? Yeah. It's Easter, right, right, right. And then you get to the, <laughs> you get to the long shot and it, you realize this is some scientific experiment Mm -hmm. or what we realize later, it's even worse. Mm -hmm. These rabbits will serve as the raw food Mm -hmm. for the group known as the tethered. So the whole, the conceit of the film is these people below that, which you described earlier that, that come to the surface in the, toward the beginning, I think maybe 20, 30 minutes into the film. Um, they're, 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 they live out the life exactly like the people on the, on the right. surface do, right. except without any of the content. So the form yeah. of their life is exactly the same. Like they're, mm-hmm. they feel like they're going on a roller coaster. They're like, they're screaming they're but they don't, there's no roller coaster. No. Or they're, they're they think they're eating, they, while someone else is eating a pizza on the yeah. surface of the earth, mm-hmm. they're eating raw rabbit. Yes. So it's, right. it's, it's a, it's a horrific existence. And so what... When they come to the surface, even though initially we're, we think they're home invaders, right, right, we come to realize they're actually in some way revolutionaries, or at least, yeah. you know, they're trying to escape their oppressed situation, which is tied to the people on the surface. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the big, big important point that um, Peel wants, clearly wants you to be thinking about the entire film um, is that the... The little girl who grows up into woman, a named character named Adelaide, he wants you to be thinking that she is not the girl you first saw in the film, that she switched, that right. she might be a tethered, that she might be right. the, 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 she might have uh, in that initial scene in the, uh, the, the vision quest. Which really, really nicely changes from this. Um, I think this is part of like a nice political point uh, that yeah, Peel makes. Yeah. It changes from like a, a, a gross depiction of like a Native American to uh, in in nineteen eighty uh, what what eighty four something. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, gross depiction of uh, Native American nineteen eighty four to just a wizard in twenty twenty nine. Because it's called Merlin's Vision Quest, right? Twenty nineteen. Right. Yeah, and and yet I think what's interesting is the effect of it is the same. Exactly. Right? So there's that, so it's a that's the political commentary that we we've sanitized these things, but they're still whatever the effect of them is, they're the same. It's a right? really to me this is, and we've said this on previous podcasts, but to me that that's like a really nice, uh, you know. I, I, I'll, I'll say this. You don't have to, you don't have to be in this for me. Like I love, I love political correctness. I think it's as I think language, you know, certain things. Uh, I think they're, they're great. There are great things about it. However, it's well worth critiquing it from a left perspective, which is to say that if the end goal 
of your political project is to just swap the Native American for Merlin, you've not done anything to change like material circumstances. Right. And that's the whole, I mean, that's the point of that shift that, that Peel is showing. I think that, that nothing materially changes with the shift from shaman to Merlin. Right. right? It's the language. Like, again, it's not, they're not mutually exclusive. You can have a shift in language and a a, a change in material condition. But the problem is that we really only have, the shift in language and we right. don't have a lot of a critique of capital uh you know in in, in political economy from the left we just we have a uh oh i don't know a a critique of verbal economy is really the, <laughs> the thing that we have you know That's so very like, nice yeah. thank you yeah so that so yeah. and i think that 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 image uh, that is a really really canny uh political point that that uh, yeah. feels able to make there i agree i like that and i also like the way the film connects. And I think this is one of the things the tracking shot is doing. It connects this mm. individual experience to the larger whole. And that's yeah. actually what you were just talking about, the way in which we make these individual changes, but yeah. we don't think about the whole structure in which they exist. Right. And I think that's one thing the film really tries to militate against, that mm. way of thinking and thinking that the individual can be in isolation. And I also think that's why it's important I almost think that it goes out of the horror film altogether yeah. because I think one limitation of the horror film is it's usually an individual or a familial group besieged. And even if the source of that besiegement is someone in the, like if it's complex, sure. like Shining, yeah. it's it's clearly the guy himself who's part right, of, right, right. Who's, who's attacking them from the outside. Mm-hmm. But it's still, it's such a familial unit you know, mm-hmm. Cabin Fever, Ring, all these films are either individuals or small familial units that are under assault from the outside. And there's not, there's very few horror films, I think, that have a collective sensibility. And there yeah. are even fewer and fewer films altogether <laughs> that connect the individual psyche to the collective political problem. Yeah, yeah. I think that's pretty nice. Uh, I, I think that's a that's a that's a really good point. And we were just we were just saying this like I, I like to to bring that into like a uh, it's like oh if you if you just if you just recycle you know if you if you right. use your bike you don't use your car then you can you can stop uh, climate change and and what what it's it's like of course like no you can't and it's just right. one of those things that like no one would ever say well if every driver just drove safely there wouldn't be accidents no one would ever say that because you just know. It's like people are trying, but there are like it's just like it's just going to happen anyway. But that's not I mean, that that just obscures the point, which is that the uh, and I think this is p- part of the, the point in Peel's film is uh, like the the structural problem needs to be addressed at the level of structure, not at the level of the individual, like right. the individual, like your your uh, re- responsibility is never to clean up the outrageous abuses of capital like that's like and that's just the wrong way to think about one's uh, uh place in in society it's not like well we can never hold those people to account because it's just too big so you don't use straws and you take your bike to work and you you know like right. that that's right. um like sure also do those things but the you know again that's another thing where it's not mutually exclusive but there's way more pressure particularly i think from liberal circles uh there's way more pressure on those like individual choices and being a conscious consumer, right. Then there is in just 
Like, why why must I be a priori a consumer? Like, they're like, right, why, why right, oh, yeah. right, 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 right. <laughs> Which is a whole problem with like green investing and all yeah. that stuff. Yeah, because yeah. like, why should you be investing in the first place? Right. right? Like, why right. is that whole structure in place? I think that's really good. And I think the film really nicely intervenes on that. And I think the connection comes down to, so it, it's made ma- made manifest in that opening tracking shot as mm-hmm. a, I, I think of that as a kind of something like a synecdoche for the entire film. Nice. Because the film, I think the way in which, so we see the the, the revolt of these tethered figures and the yeah. one who leads it is only known as Red in the credit sequence. So she's, yes. so all the other family members have a name. So Right, that's true. So the father is named Gabe and then his doppelganger is named Abraham, which mm-hmm. is such a great name. Uh, the daughter is named Zora. The, doppel- the doppelganger is named Umbre, mm-hmm. another great name. And then the and then the son is named Jason, the doppelganger named Pluto. Right. The, the, the spouse, the woman, is named Adelaide. Mm-hmm. Red is just, she just has this generic name, which is interesting because she's the one who leads the revolt. Right. Because, as you mentioned earlier, she's the only one who can speak because she was exchanged. She's right. the one who was exchanged, so she grew up speaking. Mm-hmm. And so I think that my, my idea is that the connection is made between, like, the weapon that they use when they come up to the surface is just, to me, the most fascinating weapon imaginable. Yes. They all have large pairs of scissors. Yeah. And yeah. that's, they, they don't use them, so you would think, oh, they're trying to cut the tether. And I think that right. does make sense, mm-hmm, except... Mm-hmm. There's no visible tether, no. so it doesn't. So it would be asinine to to have a you know, physical they're, they're, like instrument yeah. Why have to physical scissors? Invisible. I mean, they know there's no physical. Are they just is red dumb? No, she's orchestrated this entire this entire uh, strategy. Yeah, yeah, revolution. Yeah. So it's among people who can't speak, so that's pretty good. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and she uses yeah. like voice signals to communicate to them, like. Uh, you know, like clicking her mouth and stuff. Can um, I make it? Can I make a quick point on this? Yeah, yeah sure, I, I, sure. I thought this was really fascinating because um, I know you're building up to the scissors point. So, but I want to just make yeah. this this quick one. Um, yeah. I uh, Slavoj Žižek has t- has talked about this in different places, but there is um, one of I think this comes from evolutionary psychology. Uh, but one there, there there's I, I think a, a very ideological uh, assumption that language. Uh, developed as like a uh, a way to communicate and Slavoj like that's like people that's just like what one like there's nothing seemingly controversial about that. I think no, everybody, but that is the common that's the doxa right. That's the everybody doxa. thinks that. Yeah. yeah, and it's really funny that like I, I I may have said this before in another podcast, but like what blows my mind is like the 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 re- the revolutionary to use that word again idea of darwin is that accidents yield unexpected advantages and it is through mutations and these accidents that evolution occurs and the way that people lose that fundamental tenet of evolution blows my mind because when you think like oh language just became this is like well, we that's just what we use it for now and to think of the you like to put yourself in the in the head of like early humans, like you know, language is confusing, and it's it's if you want to tell someone to do something, it's language is not always the best way to do it. You know what's pretty good? Like maybe even easier pictures. You know what? Right, like right. like maybe grunting is actually right. like. So I think what the or film, showing them showing like pointing pointing yeah. yeah. So I think that 
you know, it's, it's hard to put your, anyway, Zizek has said this in different places and, and, um, it's something that, that I, that I think about often is that like that, not that language of like, of course it developed as a means of communication. Like, obviously I accept that, but like that may not have been the first primary thing. It just yielded this unexpected advantage and now we can talk to each other. But I think that what, um, is that an advantage or a disadvantage? Well, I think this is what us is getting at, is that, like, is it an advantage to speak? Because yeah. this revolution that us in the speaking world, if we wanted to lead a revolution against capital, we don't seem to be able to do it. But these right. people who yeah. don't speak, they're able to do it. And maybe there, maybe that there is something in that critique there, which is that, like, um, language gets in the way of, like, a, I don't know, a unity of vision, perhaps. I don't know. Right. I'm, there's a lot of different ways. This is just kind of occurring to me now. So, but uh, yeah, but no, I, I think that's right. I think that's right. I think that's right. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's anyway. I just thought I, I thought that it's it's not just narratively significant that she's the only one who speaks because of course it is. It's one of your clues that she's been switched from someone on the on the right. surface. But uh, I think that there's also a political point in that as well about um, I agree. La- language and communication. And yeah, anyway. Right. No, I agree. And I think that, but th- just to get back to my, my political point, what's like, I think that they, I think that the scissors to me is a way to introduce castration to the yeah. people on the surface. And what's fascinating to me is that I think the film is suggesting that it's their disavowal of castration Mm. combined with their commodity fetishism. So there's two kinds of fetishism at work. So there's the fetishistic disavowal Mm -hmm. of castration and then of symbolic castration. And then this fetishism of the commodity, which is omnipresent in the beginning of the film. So they have this, they have these nice vacation homes They have the the other couple that they're friends with has a boat. They yeah. have and they they're both in a kind of competition mm-hmm. about Boats, new cars. The, yeah, yeah, the new boat, and then and then uh, the the other family. The, the the other family's white. They're black, and the and and the the white guy Josh is like, uh, does your boat have this? Does it have this? Oh, yeah. and and Gabe goes, yeah, yeah, it has that, it has that. And he goes, does it have a flare? And Gabe's like, no, it doesn't. So, so there's all this kind of uh, competition about commodities mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. going on. So that, I think, what, what I find fascinating about the film is that the way that it brings together those two forms of fetishism, that it's their fetishistic disavowal of castration, which Red and the people below recognize is the reason why they're below so that so that the oppressive situation the the disavowal of lack Mm -hmm. creates because the creates the fetishism of commodities or they're linked Mm. which creates which i don't think is is totally evident but they're linked together and it's that fetishism that allows a permanent mirroring underclass to exist Mm. i think that's absolutely i think that's so I think it's an interesting way in which Marx and Freud come together, that disavowal of lack, fetishism of commodities, those things are the same. Those things work hand in hand in order mm-hmm. to keep this underclass invisible because I think that's the point, yeah, right? Like the, yeah, yeah. That it's the disavowal of lack that makes you not see them because they have to bear the burden of lack all of them on their own, on their yeah, side. Yeah. But you yeah. don't see it because the commodity blinds you to it. 
Right. Red makes the point in the film. She said, like, you know, when you got something soft, what what's the line? Like, she, you get something we soft. We got something uh, cold and hard and or hard. something like that. And it's like, it's, it's uh, you know, uh, it's really nice, you know, uh, you and I, you and I are both recording this on, uh, on, on MacBooks, right? Which is like, what, what suffering went into making this? You know, yeah, yeah. like what, yeah. Unima- yeah. you know, and uh, this, I'll get into this a little bit later, but like, um, one of the things that I, that I, I like about Jordan Peele's approach to, uh, critiquing politics, uh, is that he, he includes like, he gives space for, like, and not, not everybody takes this, but like, the the best kind of uh, critique of, of capitalism or society is one that includes you uh, in that critique. Like, yes, you, it's a great you, point. you don't want it to be, like you don't want it to be like it's all the other people who right. are who are who are doing the abuse. And I'm the the woke, particularly the woke white person that is like it's all the other white people. But I'm the, I'm in this like, the, well, so then, you know, we just talked about cynicism in the last episode. So then you need everyone else to be terrible so that you can seem like you're not doing harm, yeah. which means... Yeah, that's that, interesting because... Yeah. I, Brian, I want to ask you about that. So do yes. you think... Because with the critique of capitalism, mm. you you know, it's... You just said, as individuals, we can't do anything, right? Like, the, I think, well, we, I, it can't be an individualist project. That's right, right, right. Individual, yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so uh, is it... But But at the same time, what you're suggesting is it can't just be... Hugh Grant's fault. Do you know who Hugh Grant sure, is? Sure, sure, sure. Do you know who he is? Not the of actor. Of course. Oh, wait, no. Wait, wait, who, who do you mean? <laughs> oh, I got you there. <laughs> you got me. Uh, he was the former, he is the former head of Monsanto. The, okay, the, yeah. The company that, you know, uh, has basically ruined the earth because yeah. <laughs> of its, of its uh, pesticide roundup, which has also given uh, thousands of people, maybe more than that, cancer. Right. right. And he got a, his settlement package was $85 million yeah. from, mm-hmm. as when he left as CEO of Monsanto. Right. Um, so it can't be just his fault. No. Right? It can't be just his fault. And I think it even can't be just the fault of Monsanto. No, right? Like no. it has to be, it has to be a collective fault. Yeah, I do. The only thing I would say, the only little, little thing is I no, do think, I do think there are folks Use the word synecdoche earlier. I obviously like this word. There are folks who are synecdochic, let's say, for, uh, like, there's not a, you and I are not, I don't think, representative of, I don't know, anything. (laughs) Like, I I, I can't really think. Um, But but that guy, but that guy is. I'm not even a representative Cincinnati Bengals fan. You're not. No, I don't don't think so. Certainly. I no, mean, what no. what other besides your family? Are there other Bengals fans in Vermont? There's not even like really that many other people, so or that have ever read um, Hegel. I think I think the the yeah, Hegelian I Bengals think fan. That there's I don't, a, Hegelian yeah. Bengals fan is not a that's not a the Venn diagram on that. Is the, very, yeah, the, the two non overlapping circles. I think yeah. is what that is. Yeah. yeah. Um, the yeah. yeah no so I I do think that so someone like someone like Hugh Grant I think. Um, it doesn't matter. Like, so on the one hand, no, of course, if you, if he goes to jail, but nothing happens to that company would, then nothing has been solved. Right. Like there's, there's right. no, there's no, there's been no change has been affected. But I do think that, um, I do think that there are, uh, public figures who run private enterprise, uh, who represent larger problems and that, you know, again, 
if individual justice meted out to to them collectively, that might mean something. But or individual, I thought you were going to yeah yeah yeah. But 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 individual prosecution is you know what it's like as something I've said before and it's relevant to us. It's like playing whack a mole. And that doesn't, you know, like we'll get Hugh Grant and then we'll get, you know, uh, Tim Cook. Right. And then, yeah. And then that doesn't amount to anything because you need is and this is what uh, I think us sees is you need a mallet big enough to destroy the machine or you need scissors. Scissors. You you need something. Yeah. I like this idea that you need scissors because I think what's interesting to me is that when Freud wrote, I think the predominant malady or disorder of capitalist society was repression. Yeah. And I think today it's disavowal. And so yeah. I think you could maybe say mm-hmm. us is a is a rewriting of a revolutionary version of Freud for our contemporary epoch. Like That's interesting. how do you respond to massive disavowal? You bring scissors, right? I mean they they kill the people yeah. with scissors, we should be yeah. clear. Yeah. Um and so Whatever. I mean, that's probably not the proper thing. Although, uh, you know, they, it's also what I want to get to later the demonstration that they have because I think that's pretty fascinating yeah. too. Mm-hmm, but, mm-hmm. but just their revolt. I think you're right that you can't that 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 you can't single out an individual. But I also right. like your point that the one individual can stand in for the whole, yeah. and that I think that I think that's pretty good. I think that's a pretty good idea that 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 it's not a particular, it's a synecdoche. It's right. not a it's a it's right. a, it's a particular Red. that that yeah. means the whole or yeah. right, negatively it would be someone like Hugh Grant, but in yeah. the film, I think positively it's Red. And that's yeah. why yeah. it's so great that she's the one without us without a specific signifier. She just mm-hmm. has her name is just Red, which is of course <laughs> the communist revolution. <laughs> that's pretty good. Which I, too. I yeah. love that. Yeah, yeah. That they're all in red and that she's and her name is Red. And it's that's, just I mean that's fantastic. if Peel didn't mean to do that, he did a good job not meaning to do it. He couldn't I have think. done a better job if he had meant to. Yeah, I think you're right. 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 That's, no, that's right. That's yeah. well put. Yeah. 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 Um that's yeah. pretty good. I wanted to I didn't say this earlier, but um to kind because of, I think that I think the point that you're you're making is excellent. Uh, but for someone who might, for the first time, be hearing about fetishistic disavowal, could you talk about that? Yeah, sure. So yeah. fetishistic disavowal, so castration just means, okay, it doesn't mean it's Literally. cut off. The, the bad right. thing is, the big thing is cut, or little thing is cut off. Yeah. Uh, I was thinking about someone else, not myself. So <laughs> <I'm> just, <laughs> just, that, a li- that, just a little prick, right? Uh, anyway, <laughs> continue. Yeah. <laughs> How can I continue after that? So (laughs) it doesn't mean that. What Mm -hmm. it means is, so it's castration is, even Freud thought this, Mm -hmm. that castration is always symbolic. That is, that it's the lack that we have to assume or that that is put on us Mm -hmm. as speaking beings, as beings of language. And the problem is, of course, that that lack is, that's what constitutes our desire, but it also makes us always have this sense of dissatisfaction. So there's a way in which we want to assume that lack is not constitutive mm-hmm. for us. And that's what fetishistic disavowal was. So so we take a fetish object and we say that object is not lacking. So we can believe in the possibility of a non-lacking other. Right. And that, that idea of a non-lacking other can sustain us even if we recognize that we're lacking because we can see that the other is not lacking and that gives us 
this idea of wholeness that we're missing. Mm-hmm. So that's mm-hmm. the that's the key point, I think. Yeah, that the, yeah. the that fetishist is a disavowal of the lack in the other and that and and mm-hmm. by disavowing that, then we don't have to come to terms with our own lack. Right. So like the so the problem for um is Gabe, right? That's the the Gabe is the father, the father yeah. who who is yeah. untethered. Uh the or well, I mean the the there it doesn't matter. But so anyway, so yeah, he's the the father you meet in the beginning of the film. So he thinks, right, that um that the, the reason why he's lacking is the boats the boat right. he has is 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 right. like secondhand and it's not good enough. Right. It's not as good as the other guys. Right. Right. It's not as good as the white guys. Right. Like well, that. initially he yeah. thinks it's the fact that he doesn't have a boat. Mm-hmm. So he goes out and buys the boat and then that boat is lacking because the motor doesn't work properly. Right, right. But he always thinks there'll be another commodity that'll that'll be non a non-lacking commodity. And then, exists he out there. Ha- and then he has that moment. Right. Because the thing he doesn't have is the flare gun. And then he uses the flare gun and it is useless. Totally right? useless. That totally. is such a great moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And he so, uses. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. No, just finish because that's oh, was, a great point. Well, I was just gonna say, like, he uses it on the tethered version of the guy. Uh, Josh was that it? That's his name. Abraham. He's a- trying to kill him. Oh, oh, Abraham. Okay, right. It's when Abraham's trying to kill him, and he thinks that, like, oh, he's got the flare gun. This is gonna light him up. It's gonna kill him, and it's just like a, I don't know, like a child's uh, Nerf toy. Toy. Yeah. yeah or right. like a limp. Like, like a limp penis. Dud? Yes, <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes, right. Yes, so he yes. immediately, like, like that's like, not only, not only is he castrated in that moment, but he sees that the other the guy. The castration is, of Josh. The all, white guy. Yeah. Always already there. And yeah. that's, uh, that's a really, it's a, it's a, that's a, a great moment in that movie. Yeah. It's a perfect moment in the film. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think so. So it's interesting that this comes together with Marx's notion of commodity fetishism, which, Marx thinks mm-hmm. we the the commodity has he calls it full of theological and metaphysical niceties and mm. so, but what what he means by that is just that it seems magical and it yeah. in in seeming magical it hides the fact that there was all this labor that went into producing it right. so we don't mm-hmm. see the exploitation of labor in the commodity mm-hmm. and I think isn't there a way in which that is itself I mean Marx should have read Freud on this. That <laughs> I know. Okay, let's be clear. I do know that he couldn't have read Freud. Right. Um, uh, that that uh, that that the what it hides, what the commodity hides, is lack. Like yeah. it, it yeah. like labor is lack. Labor mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. we have to labor because we're lacking beings, and the commod the fetishism of the commodity hides that lack. So mm-hmm. I think there, it's a nice way in which those two concepts really come together, and I think the film just beautifully makes shows that they're together, shows yeah. that they're the, you know link, at least linked, if not maybe the same. No, yeah, no, it's a super point. Uh, the, I mean, you know, it's making me think too that like that is also the the as well as the language point that's being made too. That the, the again the, to put it to put it in the terms that you just put out, like the point I was trying to make earlier is the um the the tethered show um like a lack in language and yeah. then all that but also this um it's i don't know there's something so there's something fascinating about that too is that but also like this like minimal linguistic capacity is is revolutionary but maximal is not 
right? Because they still, I think you're right to think, I like the way you said that, because they are still subjects of language, even though they don't speak. Right. Precisely because they can understand red. Right. Right? Like that we have to believe they're subjects of language, even though they're not, in a certain sense, speaking beings. Yeah, yeah. Right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, so, yeah, I don't know what to make of that, like a minimal, I like that you said that, though, minimal linguistic capacity. Like, yeah, yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, no, it's just a cool part of the film. Um, but yeah. you want to get to, you want to get to later in the film, right? Yeah, so the, yeah, let, you know, let's talk about the revolutionary gesture itself, mm-hmm, which I mm-hmm. think is, is just stunningly good. So the original thing in the 1980s, Hands Across America, was this, I think it's 87. I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, was this right. attempt, is 87? I think so. Mm-hmm. Uh, was an attempt to show that we were all one as a country mm-hmm. by having a gr- as many people as possible link hands across the, Amer- across the country, uh, east and west, e- from east to west, and, and thus create what I would call an imaginary unity of the country yeah. because it's a yeah. time of, of, you know, I mean, it's, it's the, it's the decade of, of Reagan mm-hmm. cuts to all kinds of social spending. So there yeah. certainly mm-hmm. wasn't any actual unity. Right, um, right. But what, what I like about this is in the actual event, there were large gaps within right. the, <laughs> within the chain. So yep. It, yep. like the event itself showed that the illusion, the, the, the unity was imaginary in both senses. Yeah. It's imaginary once it creates an image of the whole, but it's also imaginary in the sense that it didn't exist. It didn't exist. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. So I really like that. And then I love the fact that Red uses that as her, the form that her revolt's going to take, right? right? Because what I think a lot of people that have written about the film have, have been critical or have seen this as the way she's indoctrinated, the way she's just, you know, parroting this dumb movement from the 80s. Because it's know, like the last thing she saw and then she has the thriller Correct. shirt and that every the red jumpsuit looks like what Michael Jackson is wearing. So I think people are right. kind of like, they're, I think they're a little bit blinded by that. that right, and that, all the tethered yeah. have one glove on, so they're right. all into this. It's, oh, she's like using Michael Jackson. and Yeah. Yeah, okay, I don't care about that. But I, I do think... It's interesting how you can take what was a very ideological or even phantasmatic form, mm-hmm. the Hands Across America, and completely twist its political valence. Yeah. Because yeah. when the tethered stand up across, so from what we can see, there are no gaps in their no, yeah, line right. mm-hmm. when they form it. And it has an incredible, the effect of it is exactly the opposite of, of an imaginary wholeness. It makes a cut right across the country. Right. So I yeah. think Very nice. it, it shows how this thing that was imaginary can be real. It can make this real and real political cut mm-hmm. and show that, look, you thought you were a unity? This mm-hmm. country? No, there's a class divide and it slices the nation right in two. And yeah. I think that's just a beautiful point and that's the shot that the film i mean the film ends on the the family escaping in an ambulance but then we get this shot of the of the seeming success of the of the thing going across america so that's i think think that's pretty great it's super that's super and the way that you put it i think is is really good too is that most people uh think of most people think of it as like well there's a little reference to that that terrible film chuds Right. Yeah. Cannibalistic yeah. humanoid underground dwellers. 
Um, because right. that's in there. The reference is that that's a video cassette on next to the TV she's watching in the very beginning of the in film. In the beginning, yeah, right. And uh, most people, along with Goonies, <laughs> along with Goonies, yeah, right. Yeah, and yeah. most, so most people, I, I think, when they write about this and they're writing about it like positively, I think that they're saying like, oh yeah, it's about an underclass throwing over the dominant class, and that's the so they're seeing the so it's like a top and bottom thing. I think that's what what most right. people seeing, but the there are two ways that the film tells you that it's about the well three ways that it tells you about the cut one the scissors uh two the cut from the beginning that we made a lot of um right and then this final cut of actual red right red blood cut red across literally cut across america um and beautiful i I, I didn't even think about that that the fact that they're all dressed in red is is like a bloody cut across the and they, I mean, and they've also killed like many people as well, you know, like uh, with the right. with the scissors and, and, and with everything. Yeah. And and I think that's the the proper way is it can't it can't just be like Slavoj brings this up all the time. Right. Like he talks about like V for Vendetta, where the underclass has finally gone to the to the door, the doorstep of the people in power. And then the movie ends. Um it's it can't just be this under overthrow. I think is the, right. is like the revolutionary point. It has to be a cut. It you have to, uh, you have to have lost something. I think, uh, as as well. Like it, it it in in this in this cut. Like it it has to, um, and that can be just like again, like one of the more immediate things is like you you have to lose this idea of of a unity to uh, claim a greater one. Perhaps. Perfectly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't, I don't, I don't like that. What do you mean greater unity? Well, like the, I mean the, the one that like what. Oh, the one that, that the red is leading. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, yeah, yes, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. I do like that. Yeah. I just thought you meant like now we're going to have, we're going to all be together in this. No, 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 no. I don't no, mean okay. that. I okay. mean like the, no, no, so no. the, the greater, the greater unity of the tethered, which is like, like my God, you, you have to think about that in terms of, of the cut and you have to, and again, they're out, they are inside, but also outside of language. They're just, there's so much that you have to accept that is not literally like the hands across America thing, which is why it's such a powerful image because that's the height of the, like the liberal kind of nonsense of like, if we could all just hold hands and and be be together and it's like, you have, so you are accepting, you are not accepting lack then you are accepting wholeness. Like, no, of course. Yeah. The only way that you can have, as I, to to go back to that phrase, the only way that you can have that greater unity is if it like is, uh, is through lack and through acceptance of the cut. That's the, that's yeah, 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 totally. I totally buy that. I mean, Sorry, I assumed you were no, Joe Biden a, there for a minute. <laughs> no, it's, no, it's important that, to lay that out, I think. So thank yeah, you. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, that's a really good point. And I, I think that the, the, I think it's interesting how much, how, how disturbing that revolt is and also yeah. how they respond to it in the film. They respond to it by taking pictures of it. Yes, yeah. So it just, moment. it speaks yeah. to the way in which the people on the surface are so ensconced in, fetishism yeah and i think videoing something taking a video of it and putting it on television and someone does earlier in the film someone does a phone uh, recording of the movement and and then until they get killed (laughs) because they're so interested (laughs) in getting capturing it on their phone i mean it's that's to me fascinating because that's it seems to me that the phone is one of the main reasons and that whole culture of of consumption of the image is one of the yeah. main reason that 
one of the main ways in which castration is disavowed in the film. I mean, that, yeah. that, I think the daughter, Zora, we see mm-hmm. her at one point, her mother says time for bed and she turns off her phone and then, but then the mother leaves and then she puts the phone right back on. Right, again. right, right, right. So yeah. I think that's, that's crucial. And, and I mean, we haven't talked yet about the way in which the, the white family is even more ensconced in the commodity right. than the Wilson family, than the black family. Of and course. so yeah. they're, and they're, they meet their demise in a just an amazing way, I think. <laughs> they, they, uh, the guy is so so. Um, Josh is sitting in it. We see him sitting in a chair in his incredibly posh modernist house, yeah. Yeah. and he's sitting in a chair. He's got a drink in his hand. He's kind of it's a lounge. He's laying back. He's got I think he, does he have music on or something? Yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe not. Yeah. Maybe well, like from like Alexa, you know, like it's, yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I think it's called Ophelia, which Ophelia, is their, yeah, their right. name. Yeah, there you yeah. go. Oh, that's, that's nice. their version of Alexa. Yeah, and 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 his spouse, her name is Kitty, says played by Elizabeth Moss, says, "Oh, can you?" I thought I heard a noise. Mm-hmm. Of course, she really has heard a noise. It's yeah. the people getting ready to kill them. <laughs> um, can you check it out? He's like, "I'm busy." Yeah, yeah. I love that point. I'm busy. He's got his. He's lying there, just doing absolutely nothing. Yeah, and it's, he says, "I'm busy." It's and a then, great performance from Tim Heidecker. It's really, yeah. really great. Yeah. It's amazing. And then he says, um, "He says, he tells the the virtual assistant to play Good Vibration, or does he say yeah. play something by the Beach Boys?" Yeah, and Ophelia plays Good Vibrations, and that's what they are killed to. Yeah. Yeah, and then and then even more. So the last one to be a little bit alive, uh, she's only mostly dead. Is Kitty, mm-hmm. and she goes. She's trying to get the the office or the virtual assistant to call the police, and she says, "Ophelia, call the police." And she and then Ophelia goes, "Playing fuck the police by N.W.A." <laughs> yep, <laughs> so yep, she, yep. So yeah. she does it. She can't. Like the tr- you're so trapped in the commodity that you can't even she's unable to even call for help. Yeah, right? yeah, that's really nice. That's a great reading of that scene too. That's yeah. that's fantastic. Um, and also just a total tangential point. Tim Heidecker is really good at playing the like a useless husband because he's Maya Rudolph's husband in uh, Bridesmaids. Who doesn't? Oh, doesn't oh my speak god! Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, he doesn't. Yeah. yeah. So that's anyway, great. yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, no that. Uh, that I mean that scene, uh, and there's another really interesting uh, part of that scene where the um, tethered uh, version of, of Kitty is like performing um, facial, like right, uh, putting makeup on, yeah, and like and like and like uh, look trying like looking sympathetic, but it's all oh, affected. that's a haunting, yeah, that's yeah. a haunting thing. So she sees yeah. that her her husband her. The doppelganger of Josh has died. Yeah. And it looks like she's just devastated. And then she turns into like a a maniacal laugh, right? And that's just pretty great, pretty disturbing. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's interesting. And I think that, that, um, well, I wonder what you think about this. Like, uh, do you think that the tethered are only, um, connected to each other insofar as they're like executing this um project because 
It is. It, yes. It, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Because it's. It, yeah. But then, and that's what makes the Hands Across America so important. Because if they didn't have that, then you couldn't say it's a collectivist project. Because then it's right. just then they are just wreaking mayhem on doppelgangers on people who look right. like them. Right. But it's right. the the project is more important than uh, than individual connection. I think. Right. What, absolutely. Yeah, what do you make of that? Yeah. No, I think that's absolutely right. That that that. I think the film is suggesting that it's that collectivist project of exposing the cut mm. that is the thing that bonds them to each other. Yeah, okay. Right? okay yeah, that's really I think nice. that's really good. Yeah, I think it's really good. Because otherwise, I mean, I think that we, when in the, we see a flashback at the very end of Adelaide is remembering that she was once down there. Yeah. She yeah. remembers that she exchanged red for herself, <laughs> basically. Yeah. Right, right. Um, and and she and it's clear that they're not connected to each other. They're mm. just sort of mind. They're just mindlessly doing their own thing. So, I mean, oftentimes together, but not in, with any bond to each other. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I do mm-hmm. think that that's right. That it is the collective project that that makes that connection between them. And I also think it does. You know, you mentioned V for Vendetta, and yeah. uh, I think one of the things about V for Vendetta is it doesn't. For one thing, I can't be in favor of a film that that the the climax of revolutionary climax is blowing up a parliament i yeah. just <laughs> i just i'm too much of a democrat to think that that's small d to think that that's a good thing um so i hated that film but i i i, I also think that it doesn't show what happens after the revolution right, this right. is a point that slavoy makes yeah, again and makes. again and again yeah. i think he's ready to sell his mother into slavery that's he has all these different yeah, formulations yeah, for, yeah. for what he wants to do to his mother uh, to see a to see what happens the day after, right? Yeah, and yeah. and I think though this film does imply a day after because yeah. it shows. You were saying this earlier. Yeah, it shows the cut, and then it's clear nothing can stay the same after that. Right. Like once right. the cut is visible. Yeah. Then it can't just be fetishistically disavowed in the way that it was before. Plus, they couldn't get all those people back underground. No. The the tether's been broken. Yep. There's yeah. all these, so I think it's a real, like I think we're supposed to think this is a this is in some way a really successful political act that has fundamentally transformed the, the terrain. Right, right. No, I think that's I think that's true, and like it, it makes me think. You know, Slavoj always talks about V for Vendetta, but uh, Fight Club kind of does the same thing. It uh, does, you know, yeah. and and yeah. Uh, which is one of the reasons why, like, um, part of the reason why people don't do the day after is because I think it's hard to write. I think, and, and, and that, that's, uh, which is not, uh, I think that's an explanation. It's not an excuse. Uh, but there are a couple shows that I think like, um, or TV shows that do a really good job with the day after of some kind of like traumatic, uh, event, either, uh, political yeah. or, or, uh, existential or metaphysical. One is the leftovers, particularly season oh, two yeah. and three yeah, yeah. is really, really excellent. Um, and Mr. Robot tries to basically the first season leads up to a very fight club, like, kind of ending and then the rest of the show is dealing with the the consequences of this and what kind of happens in the show is that like um it's almost like um in a way it's almost like may 68 where like the government actually like re-solidifies and now there's like the military um after this like terroristic act that took apart like you know uh credit and and uh and capitalistic institutions well now there's just like they're, they're just a um people with, uh, with guns, soldiers, like all over the place in New York now, they're just, you know, and, and then, and that's not really made a big deal of, that's just the right. new reality. It, it's shot really well by Sam Esmail that 
there there's like some scenes where they're on like the subway and you just see like uh the military walk by and that's just like the regular life now you know and so anyway that show tries to engage it it's i think it's hard to very hard very hard to do the day after but it's it's rewarding because you like on so many levels in like in America, like I like I can't tell you how many times in uh, public education I learned about the American Revolution and I can maybe count one time, one time that between the years 1776 and it, the War of 1812 that I learned anything about that. Right. You know, right. because it, it like like revolution uh, is one thing very, very important. But the day after, like, you know making a country or like, or, uh, or, you know, in the case of us, just like, like making, like, you cannot ignore this. You cannot ignore this cut. Like that's right. the hard thing. And so right. that's why the hands across America, which was just so easy to forget and disavow like in actual life, but they've made it impossible to forget. And right. I actually yeah. had forgot. I was alive during that time and <laughs> I have totally forgotten it. So it meant nothing to me. Um, yeah. Uh, but I think ah, that's such a good point. And I think that, that, you know, that's why I don't necessarily agree with this position, but that's mm. why Hannah Arendt thinks the American Revolution is superior to the French because she thinks mm. it does a better job of organizing the day after, whereas the French Revolution leads to Napoleon. Hmm. Yeah, but we I still mean, had slavery, you know. Like, I, I, think, I, I, yeah. I, no, I think that's I what – and she – that's yeah. a that's a real blind spot for Arendt. Yeah. I mean her yeah. her – her ability to think about racism is is pretty is pretty limited. Mm-hmm. I guess it's pr- it's the price of being Martin Heidegger's student or, oh, or lover or, or <laughs> yeah, both. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I think that's but but I do think that's why she thinks that yeah. that it does that there is this way in which the day after is more part of that revolutionary impulse and and more constituted yeah. I just than think in like, France. I, yeah, no, I, to, I see that, but I think that like the American revolution is a great explanation. Uh, like, I think it's a great, um, reason for the law of the excluded middle because yeah. like, um, Oh, we don't think you should own people. Oh, we think you should like, okay, well let's compromise on that. It's like, no, no compromise. <laughs> like right, do not compromise right, on that. Right. Like that this, right. there's the truth is not in somewhere in the middle on that. Like there's, there's not a particular middle position that like, that does anything except for accede to one of the sides. Right. Like, you know, and, and right. I, and I think yeah. that's what's pretty interesting about the very, I mean, doesn't that really reveal something about the very notion of compromise that yeah. it always favors the conservative yes. position because yes, it's that, you know, it always leans in that direction or even affirms that position. It the, affirms the whatever the structure. The, yeah. That's a, mar- it's a, a market-based solution to a social problem. That's a concern. Like that's conservative. You know, we talked about that before many, many times, yeah. but that's a, yeah. it's a great, yeah. it's a perfect example. Yeah. 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 No, I, th- I totally agree with that. I just, yeah, I, I, I guess I want to touch just on, Sure. On one more thing, and that's the way in which. And when I first saw the film, so I saw it three times, yeah. and the second time, two times, I was just scribbling uh, uh, vigorously throughout the film, so I, I didn't really pay that much attention to it. Um, <laughs> but I, but the first time, this really bothered me that mm. I thought it was just bad filmmaking that neither Red nor Adelaide remembers that they were switched. And I thought, my God, at least Red should remember. Yeah, sure, sure. Because she had this she had fairly good thing, life, yeah. and then yeah. she gets the total the horror show. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I actually think now that that's, I mean, that's 
that's how repression works. That yeah. you you that it's such a traumatic event that neither of them, even for Adelaide, who comes to the surface, mm-hmm. even for her, it was a traumatic event because of where she 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 represses her traumatic past. Yeah, and it's and it's red tr- represses the fact that the trauma of that cut between, you know, when when yeah. Adelaide abducts her from the surface and takes her below. And I do think it's interesting the way that the film contrasts that individualist act mm, mm, of mm. just, I'm just going to exchange one for the other right? with the collective act that Red leads at the end. Yeah, that's yeah. super nice. Don't so you I like think, that. Don't yeah. you think, you just made me realize this, but don't you think that Us perfectly uh, shows the psychoanalytic approach to trauma? which is that the the common sense idea is that a trauma is like a traumatic event happened and that's the that's the thing it's the 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 first it's a primary thing and you're kind of dealing with consequences what freud uh, discovers through analysis is that quite often it is like an anodyne or you know a uh, a uh, uh, like re- reproduction or something that is just in some way vaguely similar to a real prior trauma that yeah. actualize it to the point where this is what he says, where it, like, this is the idea of noctroclocite, right? That like, it yeah. makes it seem as though the second event caused the first. So doesn't right. us make it seem as though, um, red's revolution caused the first switch. Yes, absolutely. And I think absolutely. that, isn't, I think right. that's great. Right. Yeah. Right. Like that. So the that second the encounter, hap- ha- yeah. Like yeah. the second encounter made the first happen. Right, 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 right. That the revolution retroactively made its, created its own conditions of possibility. Yeah. Because no one has any memory of it until after the revolution. Yeah. And then Adelaide. So I think, I mean, clearly the point, one of the points of Adelaide remembering that she was once below is that we're supposed to think this whole distinction between above and below Mm -hmm. doesn't, doesn't you know, it's not, it's a, it's a plastic distinction. It doesn't, that, that you can, if you're exchanged, you'll, you'll think you're just like the person, you know? And so that, I think that's pretty good. Mm -hmm. Um, But I don't think that's the end of the story. I mean, I think the, the, it's much more about this revolutionary movement from the people below, from the, the tethered up, up to the surface, I think. But I do think that this, because that's the big reveal at the end is that she recognizes that she was part of the, and she was part of the tethered herself, mm. right? Yeah, absolutely. And just a, just a quick word. This will be like a little bit of a preview for the episode that I'm going to do on the horror podcast. But everyone, if you read any summary of this movie, it says that like, oh, yeah, the tethered are clones from a failed government uh, project. Okay, let's talk about that. Okay, clones, yes. not a word used ever in the film. Right. Ever, 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 ever. It's never a word used. And, and actually the word government isn't used either. Except, I don't know if you know that. Except for... No. The, oh, um, except, right, except, except for the daughter. Except for the daughter who right. who says just out of nowhere in the middle of the movie, like... Right, you know well, as they're driving to the to Santa Cruz, go, I'll just set you up. Now yeah. she says what? And then she said, did you know that fluoride is uh, in, like fluoride in, in, in drinking water is the government's attempt at like mind control? It's like something like that, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and yeah. no one just no one pays any attention to her. They just don't. They don't pay attention. They just don't listen. To and her. I, I love the fact that. Um, so obviously, we're not supposed to 
believe that, I mm-hmm. hope, <laughs> as spectators, right? We're right. supposed to know that fluoridation is not a commie plot. Right. And right. that fluoridation is not a government plot either. Although. Mandrake. Man- <laughs> <laughs> okay. Sorry. Uh, so in the future episode, Ryan is only going to do voices from uh, Stanley Kubrick films. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. Uh, but but just a funny thing that that I think I mentioned this last time that Burlington. I know I mentioned this that yeah. we had to have a vote on fluoridation, and it's so that's a very common conspiracy. But mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. not a. It's still not true, yeah, <laughs> and right. the fact that she says it automatically should make us think, well, any other conspiracy theory that's articulated in this film, yes. we should be very suspicious about. Right. And 100%. Then, that's what's in the text. That's in, in the, the text. text. Yeah. Right, yeah. right, right. And then, so Red has two pretty long speeches mm-hmm. to Adelaide. Her first one just talks about the horror of the experience. And mm-hmm. that I think we're supposed to believe because it's just right. from, she's just recounting her experience. Yeah. And then the second one is right before Adelaide kills her. Adelaide's chased her down below the surface because mm-hmm. she's looking for her son who Red is, has kidnapped. Mm-hmm. And, and, and then Red gives this explanation. She goes, I think, she, or she says, I believe. So mm-hmm. she automatically start, starts it by saying, I believe. She doesn't say, I know this. Right. She says, right. I believe yeah. humans created the tethers to the tethered originally to control the people on the surface, right. but the experiment failed, and then they abandoned us uh, all to our own devices down here. Right. Now, okay. So I think it's pretty easy to accept that. Or, or mm-hmm. I can see why people might want to accept that. But mm-hmm. she also says, and then I got... Then God spoke to me yes. and said it was up to me to lead this, the people, my people from. So yeah. I don't think we believe. So there's a couple of things. So we've already got the thing from Zora, which mm-hmm. has clued us in not to believe this conspiracy theory. Mm-hmm. And in her statement, she says, I believe. So she doesn't have any. She doesn't, she doesn't say, I know. I have She say, I know. I lived through it. Right. Someone told me. Because, yeah. of course, no one could tell her. That's yeah. another key point, right? Yeah. There's no one there that can speak. Yeah. Um, and then she says, God gave me this mission. And that, so I think the people that, if, you're, if, you, if you believe that she's telling the truth about this government or whoever conspiracy to, to create the tethered, then you have to also believe that God gave her the, the mission to, to go yeah. up and lead the revolt. Yeah, right? and no one I mean, says that. No one no has one ever said that. that. There's nowhere right. that you, there's nowhere online which drives me mental. Like, sorry, that, that was like a, a, a spike in volume for listeners. But nowhere, everyone's like, oh, yeah, it's the clones. Yeah, government clones. Even like Jordan Peele, who should not be saying this kind of stuff because you made the movie right. and like now it's it's over. You like, don't get to speak anymore. I mean, to, fine, yeah. you can speak. But you're, yeah. what you have to say about it is only the equal of what everybody else has to say. Yeah, about. you don't get two in conclusions. You get the in conclusion at the end of the movie and you don't get to keep doing it after the movie's over. Like, right. you know, like, so. Uh, my, my view yeah. is that he's playing. William Faulkner. So Faulkner would constantly <laughs> tell these totally misleading things about like his own lot. novels. Yeah. So that's my view. I feel so. Um, I, I really suppose him to know. If okay, that's, that's view, pretty so. good. I like that a lot. I yeah. Well, so like I, yeah. So this is, is going to bleed into my episode with Taylor. But like my God, like the the fan theory like community, it, it always relies on a thing like just like this, where it's like 
Oh, the, yeah, so totally, she said that, like, humans, she means government, clearly, uh, they, they, it's a clone program that got abandoned. It's like, okay, well, you did a lot of extrapolation there. Maybe some of it comes from a director interview, but you've done that. What about the mission from God thing? Like, was there just, like, 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 what do you suppose... Like, like you, so you don't believe that. You're just like, oh, well, that's just, like, she's just crazy. That's why she said that. Oh, but the other right. thing was true. Oh, right. I, I, I mean, get there, it. There is no, yeah. Yeah. I mean, literally, like, if, if you watch the film, there is literally no way that she can know that. There is no way. It's not possible. Not possible. There, because they didn't, the, the, whatever the program was, it didn't leave, like, an intern who forgot to clock out one day and, and then, and like, he's stuck with the tethered for the rest of his life. There's no, no one down we, there. Yeah. We've ne- And we see no evidence of anyone else who can speak. No. Zero yeah. evidence of anyone else. So there's no way, was it related to her and grunts? I mean, what? No. <laughs> there's and just no way. And so I yeah, think, yeah. but it's interesting. Don't you think, I wonder what you think about this, that we glom onto this theory to avoid seeing the way in which the people on the surface are actually culpable in the creation of the tethered. I mean, it's just like any paranoid conspiracy theory, right? Like it, it's a way of, it's funny because on the one hand, both you and I agree that individualist solutions are not solutions at all. But on the other hand, these, this kind of theory exculpates the individual and that's also a problem. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like so, it's a it's a it's an interesting thing. You can't just say, "Oh, it's these, it's the collective, and it's these people yeah. creating this collective or or deceiving everyone." It also avoids the cut of the film. I think right. like it's right. it's a lot easier to to like throw yourself into into like. Um, anti-government conspiratorial lore it's like oh man i want to know more about that program maybe there'll be a prequel and maybe and what do you think this happened and maybe and it's like now you're not you're not reading the movie anymore like 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 it's it's um you you completely you and you're completely missing the cut of that of that fiction like to 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 invest to invest yourself in something that explains the whole world and also lo- looses like you from seeing yourself as uh, as culpable in in the creation of the of those conditions, right? Like, which again, like the thing I said earlier that like you, like a critique of of capital, a critique of society, has to include you in it. And when it's the oh, like the government did a clone program, well now no one's really responsible because like government big G, like that's faceless, that's no one. You know, and 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 right. you know, so nah, that's, that's a great point. Yeah. It's a great point. I mean, it would be better if at least it was big capital creating right. the program. Sure. I mean, that would be a little bit better, that but would it would be still a be better. a problem. Yeah. Because I think it's just such. It's I, I totally agree with you. I think that that the idea that that all of a sudden, I mean, I also that all of a sudden, it's not the fault of the of the fetishistic disavowal of the yeah. people on the surface. That's crucial. And then I love yep. this idea too, that you said that you avoid the cut of the film. Like mm-hmm. every film, even the worst one is a cut. Like you're cut off from your waking life yeah. and you're entered into the fiction. Yeah. And okay, the fiction can really be bad, but you're still, there's still a way in which even in the worst film, and I think this is why even the worst film, even the worst one, there's always something maybe that's somewhat interesting about it, right? Yeah. Because it's you still have to experience that cut away from everyday reality. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you I, I, I love that findings, point. by the way. So because it'll it'll test that thesis, but I think that but that's another <laughs> another time. But yeah, no, I uh, like I, it's 
And I, I think that, um, this, and I don't, I don't mean this to like, uh, it's very, very easy. It's very easy to, to, to denigrate like, like fan fiction. And I'm not telling, saying that like these people are like, like wasting their time or whatever, but like, uh, fan fiction is a way of actually avoiding the fiction that it, it that yeah. has inspired this like future, like a uh, uh, writing or whatever. Like, yeah, no, you, I, I agree with that. I think that that's, that's a very, I think I love the danger of that point, but it's a very, it's a very nice point because it does fi- it, it it bridges the gap. That's what it does. Yeah, that's yeah. the whole point of it is to bridge the gap between my life and this the alien nature of this fiction that yeah. I have entered into. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I I just wanted to, let's just talk a couple minutes about Get Out because oh, sure. yeah because I think uh, unless there's something else you want to well there say, was concluding that. No, yeah. no, there was that. Well, th- I think this will be uh, a way of including. This will be just an okay. umbrella for the get out. There, okay, there was good. there was a review that you and I both read from a publication that we like a lot, and I'm just like want to obscure all. Yeah, because whatever. Yeah, you know, whatever. Because this isn't. This is not we a, like the publication. The person's probably a good person. Yeah, we're what, trying what's to. What's the point? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Like so, but there was a there was a review that I read of this uh, of this film that was. Um, that I, I thought was not not very good at all and there were two uh, it committed two of my like cardinal uh sins good. for for, yeah. for uh for someone writing a popular um re- review of something the first one was it included the phrase i tried really hard to like this movie <laughs> book film tv show album whatever if right. someone if you read if you listeners if you ever read something and someone says, I tried really hard to like this thing for the rest of that review, the reviewer doesn't think this, but they are going to be reviewing themselves and not the thing. Like that's just one of these, what's just one of these lines. I don't know how like, like nobody's like really pointed it out or, or how like, but it just, it proliferates everywhere where like, this seems to be like a, an olive branch kind of statement where like, right, I want right. you to, to know that I'm not just criticizing this for no reason, reason that I tried right. really hard to like, but you're not going to engage with the thing. You're just engaging with you. And that can be it's like autobiographical criticism. You right? basically, That's what yeah, you're yeah, to. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that can be interesting. Like I, I said this to you before the call, like Lester Banks, that's like kind of like Lester Banks whole right. Hunter S. Thompson. That's like the whole thing is like this person's experience with music. And, and that's, it's not really about like, he's got this great essay about him listening to Tangerine dream that tells you nothing about Tangerine dream, but it's about him. Listen- right. You know, it's like really interesting, but you know, but, right. um, you know, but but it that's I don't think he thinks he's reviewing the the music and those things that he's telling. I, I right. don't know, but maybe right. maybe I'm supposing him to know. But so that's one of the that's one of my cardinal like a cardinal review sins. And then another one. This is specific to to movies. Is like someone saying like the film has problems in the third act. I hate when reviewers say this. I hate because it because so films much. don't have acts. They don't have acts. It's not a play. It's not, you know, not every film is like uh, Freitag's Triangle. It's like a not, it's a very, like, it just is like you took two screenwriting classes. And right. I think they read Sid Field's How to Write a Screenplay or whatever right. the name of that thing and is. That's, yeah. And now that's every movie. Like I said this to you before the call. What happened in the, thir- like, tell me about the third act of Rope. 
you know, right. Hitchcock's rope. I mentioned it. Like, that is actually even based on a play, but I don't even know where you would decide, that, you know. Yeah, that, where's the act change, yeah. And mm-hmm. that, and I bring that film up as a specific example because, like, Hitchcock is just unambiguous what this movie's about. Two dudes killed someone, put his body in uh, a, a table, uh, and then hosted a dinner party after. And the whole movie is just, like, uh, uh, like radiating, like, waves of consequence because of that initial thing. Right. There are no right. acts there. And this no is act. the same thing with us which is it's a it is a radiating co- consequence of an initial cut and right i th- like that a lot yeah th- thank you yeah and to think about the film in terms of acts i think it, it obscures that it's like you just think of it as like a linear progression and it's not it's it's uh it's much more cyclical particularly the way that the film reveals like it's it's twist it wants you to go back but it also wants like it, it keeps reinscribing this initial cut into the fiction of the film. And so I, I think to approach it from this sort of Sid Fields way, again, you're not really engaging with what it's doing. You're engaging with, you know, screenwriting, you know, 102 or something. Right. And I also, I yeah, I think that's completely true. And I, it's interesting that this review also, and I think this is a, I wonder how broad this consensus is, yeah. um, thought that Get Out was by far the superior film to us. Yeah, I and don't know. I, I my view is the opposite. So my mm-hmm. view is I don't. I think I go even further than you. I think yeah, it's I think so. r- far far superior to Get mm-hmm. Out because my view of Get Out. I'm very close to. So we. I think we've mentioned this before on the. We did the podcast on the Oscars that. Yeah. Our friend Jennifer Friedlander, uh, has this idea that that. Uh, Get Out is supposed to be a critique of white liberals, and yet every white liberal loves the film. Yeah, so that's right. maybe a problem. <laughs> and yeah. I, 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 I'm not. I don't totally agree with that, but I, I, I do see that logic. Mm-hmm. I think that's 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 that that limits how great I think that film is. And I think Us does not have that problem at all. I mean, yeah. I think there are little. I think the critique of racism in Us is actually subtler in some mm-hmm. ways, and 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 nuanced and pretty good because it's, 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 it comes out in little things like Josh says, Oh, there's OJ Simpson out there and little, like he's the dangerous other when it's really himself that's out there, which is nice. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So that's pretty good, but yeah, go ahead. Oh no, I was just going to say like, I, I I think, um, get out. My favorite part about get out is that the, and I, and I, so this is going to both kind of push, like push against that point, but then also I think ultimately kind of agree with it, but uh, it'll take a second to get there. My favorite part of uh, of Get Out, and I've said this when I've taught the film, is that the the family, uh, the, um, I think it's the, the, is it the Kittredges or the, or no, no, um, Harmatid, it doesn't matter. Uh, But but anyway, the family in in the film, they do not think that they, are racist. Like the father says, I'd have, I'd have voted for Obama for a third term. And I think right. that when people think like, Oh, he's just saying that to Chris to like get on. It's like, no, they really think that Chris later in the movie asks the guy whose um, body his like, or his mind is going to be switched to like take, take him over. He says, why us? He says, why black people? And he says, I don't really know. He said, I don't, I, I think he, I think the line is, I don't think race has anything to do with it. Just people want to feel younger or cooler or, you know, and so what that film is about is this to me, I I think, I think this is what the the film says clearly, but like, I I think there is the popular misreading of it that pushes it out of this territory is that it is about how the, um, 
the 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 cutting black people from black culture it doesn't happen from racists it happens from non-racists it happens from people who think that the, the who don't see race it, that, that's right. that's where it happened. It's the white liberal who that is like the response, you know, like I see, yeah. you know, a little bit in this in that film and what it's saying. It's a little bit like um, Martin Luther King letter from Birmingham jail. The, that's not directed at racists. That is directed at moderate Christians, you know, and right. and, 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 right. and so that's where I think the value of uh, of, of get out is in is it's that trenchant uh, critique of you know, the people who you, you think that you're on the side of, uh, of, of black people and black culture, but really you are, you know, performing this, uh, you know, the, the, the separating like from black people, uh, and, and black culture and you're taking, yeah, you know, I wouldn't, yeah, the, whatever, but, but here we go. Okay. Here we go. <laughs> but that's not how most people take that film. <laughs> right. And right. most people take that film as like, Oh, they're just, they were pretending not to be racist. Right. And I think that, um, maybe we could read in us and the fact that the, uh, the, the tether don't speak. Uh, and maybe this goes back to like language being this thing that like, uh, actually, obfuscates communication and, and meaning and not a thing that makes, I don't know, maybe you could read that uh, as a, a call back to the mis, the, like, what I would, would, would consider a misreading of, uh, of Jordan Peele's own film. I don't know. Maybe, oh, interesting. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know yeah, um, yeah. but, I, but so I think that um, it's that maybe the, so you think us, I mean, sorry, you think get out, it's maybe is maybe not, not clear enough in that yeah, yeah, specific yeah. valence you. of its critique. And, and but, I, yeah, but that's fine. I mean, your yeah. point is just that the white liberal that likes it is just misreading it. I mean, I think yeah. that's fair. I mean, then yeah. I don't think you can blame a film for its misreadings. No, I mean, that's, yeah, I think you know, true. Donald Trump thinks Citizen Kane's the greatest film ever made. So <laughs> does that mean Wells was a terrible filmmaker? I mean, no, know, no, you know. no. And well, he thinks the message is, Kane just needed to find the right woman. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, he really thinks that. Yeah, I know. So, that's you know. pretty great. I think that's a yeah. great. <laughs> that's yeah. that's good stuff. But yeah, yeah, so that's um so that's where I think ultimately like okay. there's yeah. a, there's a there like I think that the 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 message is a, is a great one, but I, I but I actually but I think that in in the the white liberals who exclude themselves from the critique of the film. I kind of think that they're performing the critique that the film is doing. It's doing to them. Yeah. 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 I gotcha. I gotcha. I like that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I'm, I'm convinced actually. So I retract my, I still think (laughs) us is a greater film because I think us just has more. I think the, I mean, get out. All we get at the end is this individual rescue of Chris and nothing nothing's really changed, right? Like there's no, I mean, maybe I guess you could say that the white liberal conspiracy or not conspiracy, but white liberal structure has been exposed and deracinated. But, you know, that's maybe, maybe not. And But I think us, I think the uprooting is much more radical in that film. I think so. Yeah, I think that there's some, like, the, to me, the the best part of the ending to us um, is that when the you see the the headlights from what you assume is a, a police vehicle arrive, you think, like, oh, my God, Chris is going to jail. He's going to Oh, killed. you think about, you mean get out. You, you said get us. out. Sorry. Yeah, I said yeah. us. Sorry. And get out. You think, you think that 
you think he's going to get killed by a cop because that's what happens to black men, uh, you know, from, from cops in America. And then it's his friend. And so like you, so you get, you get this, you get both things, kind of both things. But I do think, and I think you, you said this about, um, I know that you've written this about, uh, Pulp Fiction is that like, um, the the kind of more positive like like ending like it does kind of overwhelm the other thing and it maybe allows you to disavow it right. uh, because he gets right. away and it's sort of like how i think most people when they think of pulp fiction they forget that uh, john travolta is killed Dies. in that movie yeah, yeah. but he walks away at the end of the he film. walks away at the end yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so yeah um, it's interesting because uh peel changed that the test audience uh didn't like the ending so the ending yeah. was a white cop coming yeah. And, and he changed it. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I think that I like the, I don't, bo- the ending doesn't bother me as mm-hmm. much as the, as the ease with which, um, you can dis. you know, I just yeah. always am, I'm always, I always, tre- I always have trepidation about films that make racists into caricatures. Yeah. yeah and no, I, and I, I think, I mean, to yeah. me, that's the problem with Black yeah. Klansman. I've yeah. liked the film quite a bit, but I think that's, you know, I mean, almost every white person can go see that film and think, oh, I'm not these poor, yes. ignorant, fat white people that are, that are the real danger. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. You know, I mean, well, I just, just to kind of nail this down, I told you this story, like I'm going to excise a lot of details from this and keep it quick. Cause I don't, cause it has to do with real people in the real world. But, um, a, uh, a friend of a friend of mine was, uh, d- denied a job, uh, for clear, clear racism. Like it's like it was very, very clear. And when I was hearing the story, like what I realized later is like, when what she was telling me, she was just like, yeah, this is like, this is what happens. This is what happens to us. You know, my, my friend who is a right, person of color. Right. And I was just like galled and shocked and surprised. Yeah. My surprise is part of the problem. And right. so like, right. so you, and the, as I said, this is now the third time I said it. So like when you critique, when you critique race, you critique society, particularly in a, in a racial way. Cap, like you have to be included in that. It can't just be you, the, 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 the righteous person. And it's everyone else. You can point and identify the, like the, the problems of everyone. Like it has to come from a place where like you acknowledge, uh, your, you have to acknowledge your own lack. Right. And, Absolutely. And, I just, yeah. yeah, I, yeah, I think that's such a great example, Ryan. I just want to say one last thing that I yeah, think yeah. that isn't the problem if political correctness means self purifying. Yeah. Then that's the problem with it. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's pretty good. I like you can lot. never get yeah. to the pure enough place. And no, then it's just yeah. this super egoic imperative purify, yes. purify, purify. Yeah. But the point isn't to purify, the point is to recognize your implication in yes. that structural phenomenon. Absolutely. Right? And so, yeah, yeah. So I think that's a, yeah, that's a good, and that's what us wants us to do and get out as well. So that's a good, good point. (laughs) Okay. Good stopping point. Todd, the, uh, the lesson is watch us. Watch us. Yeah. 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 Over and out, Ryan. Over and out, Todd. (laughs)